0: Hi friends, and thank you for joining us here at Christ Church Online. We are in the midst of our series looking at how and why we worship. As a part of that, we are also in the midst of our 30-day music challenge. To get more information about that, head to our website, ccgf.org musicchallenge music challenge. Today, we are led by our own senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott, as he explains that we worship as a response to God. Here he is. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. It's a great Sunday to be here. We are celebrating communion here, uh, so it's always wonderful to actually have the worship aspect, a uh, major part of the worship, at the end of our service. This is a, is a big day for Christ Church as well. You know, there's been a lot of monumental things that have happened over the years for Christ Church, and uh, this is one of them. You know, a few months back, we told you about the opportunity to acquire the family guidance building, the building that's directly behind the sanctuary, a big brown building. Because we own all the land all around it. And for many, many years we looked at that and uh, never came up as an opportunity. Well, it finally did over the summer, actually over the last two years. So talking to the parish council, we decided, you know, we're going to go ahead and purchase that, that building and land. Now we own all the land all around it. And uh, it really opens up opportunities for us to continue to grow here at Christ Church. Uh, because that plot of land, that building, is right in the middle of all the land that we own. And so it's great. We had a congregational meeting this summer, and we voted on it unanimously, and we moved ahead, and it's a wonderful thing. And Silver Ink a ministry uh, uh, that really birthed out of Christ Church, started in Arizona and came here and uh, really kind of blew up from here. Uh, inter, to an international mission is now in there. Silver Ring thing is an abstinence ministry. And they go around uh, from church to church with young people talking about the importance of waiting. Waiting until you're married to have sex. And so it was a great opportunity. Silver Ring used to be housed here at the church that they are now housed in that building. They said they need that, that, that space. And so we allowed them to use it. So it's a wonderful partnership. So it finally came the day where we said, well, what are we going to name the building?" Because Family Guidance is a, that was the organization that was there. And so the question came up, what are we going to name it? And so I presented to the parish council something I would want to do, something that I would want to give honor to, somebody that has been a key here at Christ Church from the beginning. I can think of no better person to dedicate this building to. And so I presented to the, the, the parish council and they unanimously voted and the name of that building is going to be the John Guest Ministry Center. So John, John's here. Come on up, John. Would you stand to your feet? Come on up. The John Guest Ministry Center, name to the glory of God and in honor of the Reverend Dr. John Guest for his service to the Lord in Christ Church at Grove Farm, dedicated today, October 2nd, 2016. And this plaque is going to be going right inside that building, right inside as you walk in. You're going to see signs up as we're getting signs put up all over the place. We'll say the John Guest Ministry Center, and here's why. Because we know that that building is going to live on and have many, many years of ministry, that silver ring's gonna be in there for many, many years, and that's gonna be used for for many years of ministry. And we can think of no other better person than a dedicated than the person who really got this place going here at Christ Church, John Guest. So once again, would you thank John Guest? You. You. you can just put it right there. Okay, got it. Yep, got it. And while you're standing, listen, uh, we have a special thing. We have an open house here. Uh, so after this service, if you want to go over, we've got um, the refreshments over there. You can head right over uh, and uh, check out the building so you can finally see it. Uh, it's been about a month that they've been in there kind of cleaning things up. It's a great opportunity for you to go over, have some time of fellowship over there. You can just walk right either through the grass or around by the barn. You can go head over and go in and check out that building. And you'll see signs up uh, here as we move forward. But it's a great opportunity for you to go over and check out that building as we dedicate it, the John Guest Ministry Center. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for today. Father, thank you for John Guest, his ministry here at Christ Church. Father, we thank you for how you've used him, Father. Father, that you've given him gifts and abilities. Father, and they're all from you. Father, that he's followed your lead for this place. The lives he's touched. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for this building. Lord, that's going to be used by you from now till the day you come home, you return and come take us back. Father, we thank you for it. I pray that you bless that building. You bless the ministries that are in there. I pray for Silver Ring thing. A continued blessing on that ministry. Father, and for Christ church, that we continue to follow your leading as we have so many times over the years. I pray your will is done here, not our own. And I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it is a, it is a great, uh, great series we're on as well. We're talking about adoration, adoration. And uh, as we talk, continue to talk about the inner workings of worship, why we do what we do here at Christ Church. Why do we do what we do here on Sunday mornings? Why do we have a time of worship here? What is worship? Why do we do that? Is it something that we just have a, a plethora of a talented people here leading us and so we want to hear them sing? No. We worship because it's a scriptural thing. God's asking us to worship, and that's why we do what we do. And so last week we started this series. We've called it Adoration or Adore. And we're going to be talking about it over the next few weeks. So we are really culminating with this worship night. Again, I want to echo, October 16th, you need to be there. It's a Sunday evening. Plan your calendars. Small groups, we want you to be there. Parents, if you've got kids in youth ministry that evening, we want you to be there. I'm going to be over in the sanctuary october 16th at 6:30 because it's all about worship and that's what we're talking about here this morning and as last week we really we focused in on the idea that worship is a matter of the heart this week we look at worship as a response to god it's funny cuz i actually this was not the scripture we were going to use for this week psalm 100 but it rang in my ears last week as Brad read that scripture that i don't think there's any better scripture to talk about our response to god than psalm 100 Psalm 100, what it means to really have praise and worship. And so uh, as I was looking at this this week, I thought, God, what what do you want me to say about this? What do you want me to say about what it means to respond to you? Because just like Brad said last week, just like John and Doug hinted at here this morning, sometimes we don't feel like worshiping. We don't feel like coming in and, and singing praises. We've had a tough week or a lot of things are going on. What does it look like? So here I am in my office, and I, I, I was praying, God, speak to me. And I am not kidding you. Within two minutes, a knock came at my door. knock came at my door, and it was uh, Jamie Kistler, who is a member here of Christ Church. She's here with us this morning. Jamie came in because her husband, Bill, uh, passed away this, this weekend. And she was coming in to talk to myself and some other folks about the, the memorial service. And I had thought Jamie was going to be just in tears when she came in. Here she is, her husband, who's battling cancer. He was battling stage 4 cancer for the last year and a half, since last June. In fact, Bill had 14 different tumors on his spine. When the doctors examined him, they said his PET scan lit up like a Christmas tree. And the doctor actually said, this is the worst case I have ever seen. Not something that you want to hear. Worst case I've ever seen. This was last July. And from that point on, Bill knew that his life probably had gotten a lot shorter. And they told Bill, You could probably never walk again. You're not going to be able to work again. And you're going to be so uncomfortable and in pain. And for a year and a half, Bill battled. He went to work every single day. Every single day he went. He got up in the morning. And prayed, as Jamie said, every single day, thanking God. He said that he thanked God. He said, thank you, God, that I woke up today. Thank you, God, for my life, my breath, my family. He said, all that I am, all that I say or, or do is really through you. And so when Jamie came in and was talking to me, her face was glowing because, yes, she was mourning the loss of her husband, but she knew where he was. And I said, Jamie, in the last year and a half, did... Did Bill ever complain? Absolutely not, she said. Never complained once. Never complained. And I thought, that's worship. That's got to be giving praise. Because Bill probably did not feel like praising God. But yet, never complained and woke up every morning thanking God. Then I came to the breakfast yesterday, our men's breakfast. Powerful breakfast. If you ever have a chance to get there. Men's breakfast once a month. And... We heard from Matthew Rivers, who's also with us this morning. Matthew Rivers is a student at Trinity. He talked about his life and how he went from basically riches to rags. And there was a a very successful man, and God kind of broke that down and left him with nothing. And now Matthew's also battling some some health concerns Matthew never once complained about. All the times, thanking God, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you for my life, thank you for where you're leading me, thank you for what you're having me do next, and now he's in seminary, now he's going to, God's really going to use him. Never once complained, and I thought, that's got to be worship. You see, church, you, (laughs) you could travel the world, you can listen to all kinds of people and speakers, you can read all kinds of books, but you'll never grasp the truth of what, what what adoration really is, what praise and worship really is, unless you sit down and talk with those people this week, like I did. Let's respond with, with, wow, all those issues going on in life, and yet there they are, still praising God. That's Psalm 100. That's gratitude. Someone once said, gratitude gets us through the hard stuff, doesn't it? To reflect our blessings, to rehearse God's accomplishments, to rehearse God's accomplishments is to discover his heart, and to discover his heart is to discover not just the good gifts, but the good giver. Gratitude always leads us looking at God and away from dread. It does to anxiety what the morning sun does the valley mist. It burns it up. And as we rehearse God's accomplishments, when we discover his heart, when we have joy and gratitude, we give him praise. It's exactly what Matthew did. It's exactly what Jamie did. Exactly what Bill did. And see, as we look at Psalm 100, that's the roadmap. That's the roadmap. That's the roadmap through this time when we're going through trials. Maybe you haven't lost anything, but maybe you're going through some health concerns yourself. Maybe you're going through some marital stuff yourself. Maybe you're going through some stuff that you're just down. You don't have the job that you need or the children that you need. Your spouse or your marriage is falling apart and you go, man, I just don't feel like worshiping. We don't worship when we feel good. We worship because of what God's done for us. That's Psalm 100. Worship is a response to God. So as we look at that, the question is, well, how do we respond to God in worship? So if you have research, I encourage you to look there. You're in Bible, Psalm 100. It's perfect. First, when we, when we look at worship, when we respond to God, we have to understand we raise our voice to him. We raise our voice to him. Look at Psalm 100, verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. We raise our voice. You know, that word "shout" in the Hebrew is, is the same word that they would use for when the citizens of a city would come And would greet their king coming home from battle. So there would be a great battle and the king would come home and the people would use that word shout for joy. And people would line the streets for a parade. I remember a few years back having the opportunity uh, to take our children uh, to Disney World. And uh, we were at Magic Kingdom and they announced the parade. Church, I've never seen a line form so fast in my entire life just line the streets so there's deb and i like walking people are just sprinting to this parade to get a spot and i remember standing there i had my coffee and uh and there was a guy uh, that was right across from me uh from this parade and he had the mickey hat the mickey sunglasses the shirt the jacket the cup holder the water bottle holder the shorts the socks the shoes the guy was 50 years old okay he's not like a kid And I'm drinking my coffee going, oh, my goodness. This guy was screaming at the top of his lungs. And he was in tears as these characters were going by. And so I'm drinking my coffee, not watching the parade, kind of sheltering the children. Because there's a crazy, the mayor of crazy town is across from me. And I'm watching this guy. And I'm the only one thinking, this is crazy. Nobody else noticed it. He was yelling, screaming. And everybody else started yelling and screaming, too. And I thought about that this week. I thought about that this week because, you know what, it wasn't out of place there. It wasn't out of place there. He was so excited about what's happening. The psalmist is saying that we need to have that same exact excitement when we come on Sunday mornings. You know, we often look at people and go, man, they are singing so loud. It's obnoxious. Could you, what, tone it down a little? You've had that conversation on the way home with your spouse. Did you hear the person behind you singing? Wow. Good thing they're not up front. You've had that. You're thinking that right now. You're thinking that right now. Like, am I that guy that sounds that bad? And we think about that. But you know what? The scripture wants us to raise our voice to God. That's what it should be. It shouldn't be a church where we come in and we have these solemn faces and we sing these songs. Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. We need to raise our voice to God because of what he's done. That's what worship is. That's how we respond not only do we raise our voice, but we give honor to him. Look at verse 2. It says, worship the Lord with gladness. Psalm 102. Not only do we, we, give, we raise our voice, but we give honor. We worship the Lord with gladness. You know, it's funny. When you look at uh, the, uh, the King James Version, if any of you have a King James Bible, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. And so is it worship or is it serve? Is it worship or is it serve? Some people say, serve the Lord with gladness. Some say, "It's worship the Lord with gladness. Well, you have to understand in the Hebrew. It's aaved, which really translates to "to be compelled to work or to serve." So the question is: Is it work or serve? Or is it worship or serve? The answer is: It's both. It's both. We are compelled. We are compelled to serve Him, not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. Worship doesn't just take place here in the sanctuary on or in wilson hall on sunday mornings it doesn't it needs to happen throughout the week the question is are you worshiping god in your workplaces are you giving honor to him at your schools in your homes are you doing that throughout the week i was talking to a dear friend this week who was talking about worship and he said you know a lot of people don't some people some people don't really like some of the songs that we would sing on sunday morning and we talked about the idea that you know If you're worshiping throughout the week, the three songs that we sing on Sunday mornings wouldn't be a factor. It wouldn't be a factor because you'd be worshiping throughout the week. If Sunday mornings is the only time that you come to say, we're going to worship God and you you disregard him throughout the rest of the week, yeah, you're not going to like maybe some of the things that we sing up here or how we sing them. But if you're doing it throughout the week, then this is just another add on. It's just another day. So the question is, are you doing it? Throughout your day. That's why I love what Colossians 3 says. It says, whatever you do, work at, at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for human masters. Are you doing that throughout the week, church? Or are you coming on Sunday mornings and just saying, you know what, I'm just going to get what I can get on Sunday mornings and then live the, the way I want to live the rest of the week. If you do, you're going to be disappointed every Sunday. Because we not, may not sing the song that you like. But if you do it throughout the week, as God's asking us to do, then your whole life is about worship. So not only do we raise our voice, not only do we give honor, but we draw near to him. We draw near to him. Look at verse 2. Come before him with joyful songs. Church, if you get anything out of today, this is the one thing that I want you to get and understand. You see, our songs are not to create gladness, but to express it. In other words, we don't come down on Sunday mornings hoping that the the music revives us somehow into joy. We come before the Lord. We come because we have a joyful heart and we want to respond to what He's done. You see, throughout history, music has always played an essential part of worship. Most churches devote half of their worship, their service, to worship. And that's great. The danger, as I feel, is that oftentimes we, instead of worshiping God, we worship the music, the tone, the style. Music is not worship. It's the protocol that prepares the heart and sets the stage for an encounter with God. This is what I want you to watch, church. Watch this. This is really important. Because some of us use the word praise and worship interchangeably. We're doing praise and worship. Is it praise or is it worship? They're different. Are we praising or are we worshiping? And if we understand the difference, it brings a whole new depth to how we worship. You see, the Bible commands us to praise the Lord. It talks about it throughout the scriptures. We praise the Lord. John talked about it last week, that the angels in heaven sing hallelujah. They praise the Lord. We come to him with different types of praise. We sing. We can shout. We can dance. We can use musical instruments. Praise is joyfully recounting what God's done for us. It's closely intertwined with thanksgiving. We praise Him for what He's done. Praise is universal, though, it could be applied to different, different stuff. I can praise my family for various things, I can praise my children for various things, for a good job on a test, for, uh, for being kind to somebody. I can praise somebody for their success. It's universal. We can praise a lot of different stuff. I uh, was coaching. I'm a head coach for my daughter's soccer team. And uh, I was praising the girls yesterday for the, the good job they did on the game. I was praising them. Great job. Worship, though, is, comes from a different part of our spirit. That's what you have to understand. Worship is completely different. Worship is the art of losing ourselves. Praise is a part of Worship. Worship goes beyond it. You see, praise is easy. We could give praise to a lot of stuff. Praise is easy. Worship is not. This is what I want you to catch. I can praise those girls for how well they did on the game. I, I praised the goalie as she came off the field. She saved like two. She missed like 30. I was not worshiping her as the goalie God. I praised her for her actions, for the fact that she stood up and she hung in there as we were getting plumbled. I praised her for that. But I wasn't worshiping her. You see the difference? You can have praise. The question is, do you have worship? Worship gets to the heart of who we are. It's a lifestyle. It's not just an occasional activity. We can come in Sunday morning and praise God for what he's done and then live however we want throughout the week. That's not worship. That's the fundamental difference. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not just an occasional activity. That's why last week we talked about the the Father is seeking people who will worship in spirit and in truth. Are you praising or are you worshiping, church? You see, throughout the Scripture, too, when the Bible talks about praise, it uses the words like joyful praise. Stones will cry out we don't praise. But when the Bible mentions worship, the whole tone changes. It says, worship the Lord in beauty and holiness. Come, let us bow down and worship. You see, that's the fundamental difference. Worship is coupled with the act oftentimes of bowing down. That's why oftentimes we, what? We raise our hands. That's what worship is. Because we're acknowledging that he is our Lord. That's what worship is. I love what and Peter says... Uh, and I've talked about this before, it says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. It's a very famous passage. And the verse right before is what? Humble yourselves before God's mighty hand. Before you can, before you can cast up, you've got to get down you got to get down on your knees recognize. you know what? No matter what's going on in my life, no matter what the situation is, no matter how bad things have gotten, I can still worship the Lord. I can still recognize him as Lord and Savior every single day. Every single day I can get up like Bill and praise God for who I am, what he's done for me. And I'm going to praise God in my workplace. I'm going to go worship him through, through my family life. That's what worship is. Praise is intertwined with thanksgiving. Worship is intertwined with surrender. Worship is an attitude of the heart. You see, the danger is that oftentimes we can come into church and live however we want to live and come into church and sing some songs and feel like we've really worshipped. That's the danger. If you think you can live the way you want to live throughout your week and then come to church on Sunday mornings and and turn it on like you're worshipping, you're wrong because that's not worship. The question is, are you really worshiping church? That's how we respond. So that's, that's what the psalmist says. We draw near to him. Then we also acknowledge who he is as well. Look at verse 3. It says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his past- pasture. We acknowledge who he is. Everything that we are is because of him. The sheep of his pasture. I love that verse in John 10. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I always love that, because if there's a good shepherd, there must be a bad shepherd out there, huh? The good shepherd comes after us. The good shepherd says, you know what? I'm going to do whatever it takes to protect the sheep. Some of you feel like a lost sheep. That you just you have no hope. There's, there's, there's no joy at all. You feel like your life is a waste, or you don't have any skills or abilities that God's using. And the psalmist is so clear. Know that the Lord is God, is he who made us. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Oh, church, I want you to know the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's a, he lays down his life for us. Scripture is very clear that we all have sinned, come short of the glory of God, but the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life. He sent his own son, God sent Jesus Christ, to die in our place. That's the joy. Then we find our hope. Then we find our peace. We realize that everything that I am is him, is through him. You created my inmost being, it says in Psalm. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's where the joy comes. That's where we feel loved because we acknowledge who he is. He made us. He's the good shepherd. He comes after us. He protects us. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how bad things get, no matter how tumultuous things are, we know that he keeps coming after us. Matthew was talking about that yesterday at the breakfast. uh, How bad is God kept showing up in different times and different places. That's why we worship. That's why we give him praise. We acknowledge who he is. And as a result, we give thanks to him. Look at verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks and praise his name. I love being in uh, Jerusalem. We had the opportunity to go again this, uh, this, this April. And uh, the gates are still there. You, you walk out or you walk into the gates and you're in a court. And that's where David really built that city. So David, the psalmist, is writing, when we, when we enter the courts, we enter the, the courts, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, give thanks and praise his name. The prophet Isaiah used that word praise all the time in, Psalm, in Isaiah 63. it says It says, I will tell the kindness of the Lord, the deeds for which he has to be praised according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things, the many good things he has done for Israel according to his passion and many kindness. Church, he's done so much for us. He's a good shepherd. He comes after us. He never fails us. He doesn't leave us. That's why we give him praise. That's why we worship him. That's why we we surrender our life to him. If you've never done that, maybe this is the opportunity for you to say, you know what? I've never surrendered my life to him. I may know what he's done, but I don't really worship him. He's not the Lord of my life. It's as simple as praying the prayer and asking the Lord to forgive you for your sin and asking him to be the Lord of your life. He hears you. He wants to be, have a relationship with you. That's why he's the good shepherd. So that's how we respond. The question is, is why? And the why comes in verse 5. Look at verse 5. It says, for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? I bet Bill was saying that every day of his life. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. That's why when I say to you, God is good, what do you say? All the time. And I say all the time, God is good. It's true. All the time. That's the first truth. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. He's a good God. Many of you questioned your life of, you know, things are bad or situations you're in you question god why does god allow bad things to happen why does god allow bad things to happen you know one thing i know after all my years of ministry in school one thing i know is that two fundamental truths is that there is a god and i'm not him but i know that he's a good god he's a loving god he's the good shepherd he comes after us and he uses situations like matthew's situation for the good Matthew was constantly looking for the good in the situation. Bill was constantly looking for the good in the situation, even though it got really bad. That's the one thing. The second one is faithfulness continues through all generations, not just the time of David, but now. You see, David sung the Psalms not because he felt like it, but because he understood who God was. That's the fundamental thing. If you understand God's attributes, that he's good, his love endures forever, his faithfulness continues for all generations, that's how we can sing praise. That's why we can give him worship. You look at David's life and you go, talk about tumultuous. It was horrible. But he understood the truth about God, the truth about who he is. And that's why he could write what he wrote in Psalm 100. You know, it's a thing that i would want you church to understand once we understand god's attributes then we can really give him praise and once we give him praise we can really say you know what i want to worship him i want him to be the lord of my life we acknowledge who he is we're gonna come i'm gonna ask the band to come because we're gonna sing a song before we have communion a little different than we normally do where we give honor to god the great i am we give him praise You know, David knew in his life the heartaches that he went through. (laughs) David was anointed as a child to be the king, but then he had to wait years for that. He was in hiding most of the beginning of his life because Saul wanted to kill him. So he was living in caves. I remember being there and seeing the caves where David was hiding. For years he was doing that. Then, Then he became king, and pretty much the whole time he was king, he was at war. Some of you feel like you've been at war your entire life. Then he became king and he had a, a, an encounter with Bathsheba who was married to somebody else. And the result of that, he had an encounter with her and had a her husband. And the result of all of that, his son died. Then his other son, Absalom, wanted to observe to his authority of David and try to kill him. Time and time again, David ran into stuff. Some of you feel like you've, you've never gotten a breath of fresh air. That. it's one thing after another don't miss this David didn't feel like writing psalms but he wrote them because he knew who God was he knew the characteristics of God and that's why he could give him praise it overflowed it overflowed because he knew how loving God was and how he came after him he was the good shepherd he kept coming after him his love endured forever that's when our, that's when our praise really comes That's when we we can really lift our hands up in the tumultuous times, not just when things are going well, not when when it's just sunny outside. It's when things are actually really bad that we realize how good God is. That's when we can really praise. That's when we can really worship. That's my hope as we enter in a time of worship. I read a great book once. It was called 365. David Edwards wrote, When we praise God, we ring the doorbell. We make our presence known, letting him know that we have come to to see him. And our praise is the thank you that refuses to be silenced. And when he hears our praise, he, he gets up and opens the door and invites us to come in. When we go inside, we move from praise to worship. In other words, praise is the vehicle into God's presence. Worship is what we do once we get there. Church, that's my hope for you here today that you understand no matter what's going on in your life that we can really praise because of who God is. He's a good God. His love endures forever. It's not just on good days. It's forever. So would you stand with me now as we enter a time of praise, as we sing the great I Am, as we give honor to who God is, and then as we partake in communion together. Father God, thank you for today. Father, we give you praise for what you've done for us. I pray that you be with that one, two, maybe three people in here who have never committed their life to you, who don't even understand what this praise and worship is all about. Father, help them to realize that you love them, that you died for them, that you sent your son to die in their place. Father, help them to put their faith and trust in you as Lord. And Father, as we enter in a time of worship, Father, help us to be grateful for what you've done and really worship you with our voices, with our hands. Father, as we sing, Hallelujah, the great I am. Thank you for today. Be with us in our time ahead. And I ask this all in your name. Amen.